Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 54 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and you can follow our show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. Follow myself on Twitter at Justin Hughes365 and my co-host Andrew at AMCQ82. Hope you all are doing okay, and we're we're excited to get a third base preview for you guys today. That's the one I chose to do, the position. We are talking last week about what we were going to do, and I decided to choose third base today. If you'd like to support the show, one way you can do so is leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. The more you do that, the more it helps us out. And now I'll bring on Andrew, but I do want to, before I even talk to Andrew here, I want to mention that, you know, one of the things I've realized is I always ask Andrew the same question. How's it going? And it's always a good. It's just that generic thing that we all do when maybe you go up to somebody in a grocery store or see a coworker. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, that's great. So I decided I'm going to do something different going forward. Andrew and I talked about it and I thought, and I, uh, and I was decided I wanted to switch it up and I've decided that I'm not going to ask Andrew, how's it's going all the time. I'm going to try to ask him a question. So Andrew, as I bring you on, I got a question for you. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? (laughs) That's that's pretty (laughs) random. (laughs) Yes, but Um, it's an important question. it is. I would say I've got quite a few, but probably either Frosted Mini Wheats or Lucky Charms. Okay, you picked about one of my most favorite and least favorite cereals there. There's so I, many. I like Cinnamon yes. Toast Crunch. I like uh, Honey Smacks. Oh, yeah. I like, I like a ton. Yeah, I like a lot of them. But those are the first two that come to mind. I hate Lucky Charms. Hate really? Them. It's oh, the marshmallows. It's the marshmallows. Oh. I do not like the marshmallows. Oh, that's the best part. I, I have a feeling most of the listeners are thinking the same and screaming at me. Or probably maybe some of them are going to turn the show off because I said that. But <laughs> I'm also not a big marshmallow guy. It's just never yeah. done it for me. But frosted mini wheats are awesome. Yeah, they're great. They gotta. They have to be. I don't like them like crunchy though. They gotta be. Oh, like, you want them you know. soggy sitting yeah. in there? Yep, yeah. yep. The good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cinnamon toast crunch. I also loved as a kid. I think it's a little too much for me now, but I love uh, golden grams, which are kind of similar. That's yeah. one of my faves. I think I like. I like all the kids cereals. Golden grams, mini wheats, and uh, one of the odd ones is crackling oat bran. Do you even know what that is? Yeah. I love that stuff. That's the one I want to sit in the milk and get soggy and soft. And I don't know why. My sister and I both, we absolutely love that stuff. So there we go. We got breakfast cereal. Do you eat cereal most mornings? No, not most mornings. Sometimes, but not not a lot. Do you eat breakfast every day? Sometimes. It just depends. I like bagels and stuff. Okay. Most important meal of the day, you know. Yeah. There's not a day that goes by that I don't eat breakfast. Like of the three, yeah. I I shouldn't say a day, but of the 365 days in the year, I probably eat breakfast 362 of them or something. I just, I can't function if I don't eat something. And most of the time it's just oatmeal, like a packet of oatmeal. But every once in a while, I'll still eat some cold cereal. 
Tweet the show at baseball three sixty five pod. Tell me your favorite cereal. Tell me that I'm. If you want to tell me I'm stupid because I don't like for, um, Lucky Charms, you probably aren't the only one thinking that. Because I think I think I'm in the minority on that one. All right, so once again, we're going to be going over the NFBC ADP on third base, discussing where they are being taken so far in the drafts during the early part of the season. Or I guess I, we can't even call it the early part now because a lot of NFBC drafts go on in January, don't they? Is is that is this the most frequent month for NFBC, or does February, March get more frequent? Um, I think it picks up even more February and March, yeah. Okay. It seems like everybody I, I know does them in January. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I know that a lot of, like, there's a few of the formats that don't even start until later. Or they're just now starting. So, yeah, it just depends. But Okay. Well, um, just like I said with Catcher, I do have last year's third base top 10. And I thought I'd open it up with that and just go down the list here and – Going down the top 10 last year, Jose Ramirez was the top third baseman at fourth overall. Nolan Arenado at eighth overall. Bregman at 13th. Javi Baez in the first round was on the wheel at 15. I think he was second base, third base, and shortstop eligible at that time. Uh, Chris Bryant, 33rd, so we're moving into the third round. And also with him was Vlad Jr., who hadn't even made it to the bigs yet, at 41. A pick later, Anthony Rendon at 42. Eugenio Suarez, who I think that's the first time I've properly pronounced his name on this podcast, at 54. Matt Carpenter at 71 coming off that great season, and Miguel Andahar at 75. So that means two of the 10 third basemen lost eligibility by playing other positions this last year, and two of the 10 fell out of the top 10 altogether. But that means six of the top 10 are still there. That's, I think, pretty good for a year difference. Yeah, pretty good. A lot of familiar faces here. So we'll be getting into them slightly different order, but yeah, a lot of it's similar. So, yes. So we'll, um, I guess I'll ask you this. What, what are your thoughts on this position and you know, what as a whole and how deep do you, how deep do you think it is? How aggressive do you think you'll be in drafting in this position? Man, it, it's tough. I think it's really deep, actually. Um, I like guys all the way down. I mean, we'll get to it, but looking at the guy at 22, I wouldn't be upset if he was my starting third baseman. Yeah, I can a, agree there. In a 15-team league. Um, so, yeah, I have no problem waiting. I think it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, who are you comfortable with and what spot and um, kind of obviously depends on the rest of your team. There's guys I like at the top and there's guys I like later. So I think it's deep overall. I think if you want to wait, it's a good position to wait on, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm like ignoring the guys at the top because it's a deep position. So it's pretty loaded. I feel like from top to bottom. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say it's like shortstop where, the position you almost feel weird taking one of them early because there's just so many. I don't think it's to that extent, but yeah, I think it's somewhere in between like shortstop and third bit first base, probably closer to f- shortstop than I would say first yeah. base though. Yeah. I definitely think it's closer to shortstop. 
And leading off at number one amongst the position is Alex Bregman. He's going ninth overall. He's got third base and shortstop eligibility. There's a lot to talk about with Bregman. I think he's he's kind of in the news right now with after a stellar 2019 season where he hit 296 with an astonishing 41 home runs, 122 runs, 112 RBI, more walks than strikeouts, and the only disappointing thing was only five steals. He reached a new level, but there is an elephant in the room right now with Bregman. That you know, Andrew, you and I talked last week about the whole spygate going on with the uh, stealing signs with the Astros, and a lot's happened this last week since then. A lot of talk about the beating of the trash cans, but it got worse with Bregman now and Altuve. Tweets were surfacing on the internet, which were from fake accounts, but people think that it's some player who's under a just under a alias that but either way there's there's accusations out there that Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve were mic'd up and were receiving buzzes on what pitchers were coming like I'm assuming like they would probably get buzzed if a fastball was coming and if there was anything else they knew that they could sit back on it so you know Stealing signs on video was one thing we were hearing last week, but does the fact that they could have been wearing devices change your view on just this whole deal? Not on a fantasy perspective, just overall, Andrew? Yeah, it does a little bit. Um, I feel like wearing a buzzer that buzzes when a fastball is coming or off-speed is coming or whatever I feel like it takes it to new heights. I mean, I know that some people probably are just saying, oh, well, when you bang on a trash can, it's the same thing. But I don't quite agree with that. And I think it's just because the effort level it takes to hook up that technology, it's just a whole nother. It's another level for me. It is. It's worse. Uh, That said, I don't want to just assume that this happened because I don't know for sure. And really until it's proven that it did it's kind of like one of those things that I'm just laughing about a little bit right now like it's kind of a joke but um yeah I mean if they get actually get accused or actually get if it gets proven that they actually did it I mean it's pretty bad yeah you know 15 years ago I was one that was pretty upset about the whole steroid stuff and I still roll my eyes when I see somebody doing it or get caught. But I personally think this is worse than even taking performance-enhancing drugs. If if he's guilty of this, there is that. He's not guilty yet. But yeah. I think I actually feel like it's worse than somebody juicing up. And I mean, you're just sitting there. That is such an unfair advantage to be sitting there and knowing what's coming to the plate if you're getting a fastball or not. Because, I mean, the guy had more walks and strikeouts this last year. Is that why? Because if you know you're getting a fastball or if you know you're not getting a fastball, that that's just that could make you one of the best hitters in the world. It, it could turn anybody into a great hitter. And I think Bregman was a gr- really good hitter. But if if he's guilty of this, 
I got to keep throwing that in there, but he was a great hitter before this. He was a really good hitter, and I don't think he's been doing this his whole career. But, man, it could really change things. Um, But I think I'm more – I do think because there's this smoke here, I personally am more thinking – I'm thinking it's more likely not he's guilty of this. And I'm just grossed out by the whole deal. that you know, they were sharing some video over the last week of Jose Altuve when he hit the big home run off Chapman last year, and as he's making running around the bases, he's screaming to his teammates as he's rounding third, "Do not rip my jersey!" And he was interviewed afterwards and came up with a real quick response of, "My wife didn't want my jersey getting destroyed, maybe because they hang him up or try to sell him later or whatever." But I and I bought. I thought it was pretty cool when I heard that story a few months ago, but it's sure. Ju- the, I think this is that story right there is why I am really skeptical about this whole deal. Just, I don't, I thought it was cool in the moment, but now I'm like, I think that's too fishy for that to be going on along with this accusation. I think it's just too much smoke for me personally. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, like when you hear these guys talk about whether it be this, I know, I think they had, if I'm not mistaken, I think they had their fan fest this last weekend. So I mm-hmm. think that's where some of these interview interviews were at. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I think that's right. Um, but it's funny how, when you hear them talk or you watch previous interviews, which I saw a couple of, uh, how much differently you look at them and listen to how they're saying and what they're saying, than you would have before this. You know, you just watch an interview with a guy and you don't pay attention to the way they're saying it or, you know, but like, like I saw an older interview of Bregman, it was from, it was from, I think 2018 and the reporter asked him if he was looking for a certain pitch. Did you see that one? Yeah. Oh yeah. And he like gave this look, you know, just like a smart ass look. And it was like, maybe I was looking for that pitch or it was something like that, you know? And then he kind of like walked off almost just like real, real cocky, you know. He even said his very last line in that video was, it's kind of like I already knew the pitch was coming. It was coming, right. Smugly threw that line out. And it's one of those things where if you heard that before this, you may have just laughed at it or been like, oh, he was right, you know. But now it like looks a lot different. So I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't want to... you know, they'll, they'll figure it all out, but, uh, it definitely is kind of skewed my view. I just, I wonder how much of it's true and how much of it is. And I, I'm not real big on like assuming something until I know, but yeah, it definitely seems like something was going on for sure. You're better than I am. Cause I'm going under the assumption they were at this point. And I don't know. It, it seems like this may have been stopped at some point in the last year to where, Maybe like at first I'm like, well, this guy just hit 41 home runs and I was confused on why. And maybe this explains it. Maybe this explains the strikeout to walk. And, but they had a lot of heat going on this point last year. But I actually, as I say that Altuve was hitting that home run. He hit that home run off Chapman just last October, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So, okay. Let's try to move this into a fantasy conversation. If they were wearing devices, they clearly had a big advantage. We don't know if they were, but are you changing how you feel about Bregman's value 
and redraft dynasty leagues going forward with this information. Okay, so I I kind of looked into this like just just off the top before any of this or you know before I really thought about the potential advantage that the Astros hitters were getting, you know, early in the, in the offseason or late in last season, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought Bregman was going too high in these, you know, early ADP. Like, I wouldn't, you know, without this information, I wouldn't take him at pick eight or pick nine, whatever is it, you know, his ADP is like eight, nine. So then with this information, it, it, you know, you, you dig a little bit. And I, I looked into his – I think it's important with these other Astros hitters to do this. And I haven't done it with all of them. I, I'm going to try to as we go through these positions. But I thought it was important to look at his home and away splits because they obviously were doing it at home uh-huh. and weren't doing it on the road. I mean, that's right, right? They're not – well, they weren't have, beating trash cans. If he was mic'd well, up, he could have been doing that on both. Both. Well, they would have had to have the camera, though, right? Um. Yeah, they would have had to have the camera. So that's what's you're right. All of it. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, so, so would have had to road, been The assumption has to be that on the road they're not doing it. So I naturally go to look. At Bregman's home away splits. Okay. This is from last year. Okay. 345 plate appearances at home, 345 plate appearances on the road. Exact same amount of plate appearances, both. At home, slash line, 278, 400, 523. That's lower than I expected. On the road, 315. 446-663. Home, 150 WRC+. Plus. Road, 186 WRC+. Plus. Home, 16 homers. Road, 25 homers. Last year, two players hit more home runs on the road than Alex Bregman. Jorge Soler, and Pete Alonso. Jorge Soler hit 27. Pete Alonso hit 26. Bregman, 25. And in the last two years, I even went back another year, there's been one guy with more road home runs than Alex Bregman, and it's Mike Trout. And in the last two years, there's one player in Major League Baseball that's top five in home runs, runs, and RBI on the road, and it's Alex Bregman. So, with Bregman specifically, I don't think, I I just think based on all of that, you can't really give me a a reason why it's going to fall off. Now, he could fall off. He had a great, I mean, a great season last year. There's going to be distractions this year. There's going to be a lot of baggage that comes with all of this that, or, you know, and just naturally he could fall off some. Everyone's going to blame it on this. But if you look at these numbers here, they're insane. 
there's just there's no reason based on what he's done. Like his career, I even looked at his career home and road, and his road numbers are better for his Damn. whole career. So it's just, I, and like I said, if I go to, you know, when we go to Altuve and we go to Jordan and we go to Springer, I don't know what is going to come up. I haven't looked at all those yet. I just haven't gotten to it. And I, I want to say I even heard somebody say that Altuve um, had strong home splits, like it favored home. But I'll get to that when we go to second base. But I think for each Astros player, I'm just going to be looking at that just to see, you know, like, how does it look? And with Bregman, everything looks fine. I mean, will he have as good of a season? Maybe not. But I'm not sure you can really tell me that it's because of this. So, Well, that's good info right there. Now, you did say at the very beginning of this, you probably think you thought he was a little too high for your comfort, but that had nothing to do with any of this. Yeah, and not really. More so, in other words, steals. More to do with the steals. Yes. But. And I'm with you on that. I, I don't remember. I think he might have even been there for my draft and hold league, that the Chris Winder one. I think he might have been there for my 12th pick. He might not have been, but I know I didn't want him, even at 12. I'm just like, I don't want to go that route with him and it's because the lack of steals and i'm just not convinced he's a 40 home run hitter yeah i agree with that so okay yeah i think i think the power probably comes back a little bit closer to what he was the year before um but like i said i i just don't think that you can point to what happened you know i guess if the home numbers drop a little bit maybe but the road numbers are fine so it's I feel like if the home numbers are what the road numbers were, I mean, he'd be even better. So it's just, it's hard to say with him. I feel like it's um, that he kind of just pushes it to the side. Like I said, the other guys may be different, but. Well, I'm glad you looked that stuff up because that's fascinating info right there. So I couldn't, Greg... believe, I couldn't believe he had the same number of plate appearances. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yep. That is also very interesting. All right, well, we'll move on to number two. Another guy who has been in the news, probably behind the Astros, the guy who the set has been in the news the second most this last week and one of the most talked about players this offseason. That's Nolan Arenado with the Rockies. Arenado's been a steady force for a while. I guess I should forgot to say he's going 12th overall in NFBC ADP. And as we've said, he's one of the safest players in baseball. I think one of the things we talked about was in a four by four league with no steals. We both agreed that he's a top three player, or at least in that discussion right there with Trout is one of the safest players you could grab. Now there's a twist with Arenado from the, from the last couple of weeks. And that's after signing that eight year extension with the Rockies just a little over a year ago, he seems to want out. He's mentioned that there's distrust with him and the organization, and he voiced it last fall, and the Rockies started fielding offers for their star third baseman over the last month or two. And then just on Monday night, the GM announced on that he was off the block, and they were tabling co- talks with teams about trading him. And Aaron Otto quickly tweeted about how he doesn't trust the organization and he was very outspoken again against the org- the team. And once again, this has people speculating if the Rockies almost have to reopen trade discussions after this. So 
I did open this up to the Facebook group, Baseball 365. I forgot to plug it at the beginning of the show. But if you have not joined our Facebook group, go do so. We're having great conversations there. And I made a post with third base questions. Anybody wanted to ask any, fire them off, and I'd move work them into the show. And Kevin Obarski, who I remember asking a lot of questions last year, too. He brought, brought one today, and that is in redrafts. How much does Arenado's the Arenado rumors affect his ADP, or does it at all? So, Andrew, I'll let you answer that one first. With these rumors, are you changing the way you're drafting him, like, or is he in the same exact spot? Uh, maybe a little bit. He's at twelve. I think that. If he, if like I knew 100% he was a, a Rocky, I would take him higher than this. Like I've been thinking leading up to all of this that like I would take him ahead of Bregman. But obviously, I mean, that plays into it a little bit. Uh, depending on how strongly you feel he's moved. If he's not in Colorado, I think he's probably more like a second round pick in like mid mid-second I don't I don't really know where he would land because it's never happened so it's kind of an awkward uh awkward thing but I mean he'll he'll definitely drop he kind of is a little bit already I saw one NFBC draft where he went the fourth pick of the second round so it would have been 19 overall in a 15 team league and I remember being like whoa because when was the last time you saw Arenado in the second round it just isn't it doesn't happen I don't remember right yeah, so it was like, whoa, and I, it was like on Twitter, and then somebody, it was like the first comment below the draft board, Arenado 2.4, wow, you know. And, um, so, yeah, definitely weird, but if he got moved tomorrow, uh, I think it would drop, yeah, some. It just, it really just depends on how much you want to speculate on that. I, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I don't like to just assume something is going to happen when it hasn't happened yet. But I get that you have to have it in your mind a little bit because it's come up a lot. So, Well, I'm just now, for the first time, looking at his away numbers just from this last year. Have you looked at them? Do you know what they are yet? Yeah, his batting average is way higher at home across his career. He's a 265 career hitter on the road. I know Two, that. Yeah, 277 last year at on the road and 351 at home. Yeah. And Meanwhile, the home runs are pretty steady, and I do remember owning Arenado about five years ago, and when I saw his home run splits, they were the same on both at that point, too. So that's two years of data that I've looked at that I know they were pretty much the same. But all the other categories, if you look at runs and RBI, clearly, as you would expect, 59 and 70 at home and 43 and 48 on the road, and in my head, I was thinking if I was projecting what he would be like on the road, I was thinking he'd probably be like a 285 hitter with 90 to 100 runs, 90 to 100 RBI, maybe a little over 100, just depending. I mean, you don't know where he's at. But I would be imagining more like 200 runs plus RBI as compared to 220, 230 that he's been the last few years, but still the power being pretty close to the same. and. It's hard to know exactly where you'd project that, but yeah, he definitely moves at least back, I would say, a full round to like mid-second, but I'm not even sure I'd even go then. I'd, I'd, 
I don't know. I guess when I think about what's been on, there. It depends on the team. That's true. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing he would drop in is batting average. I still think he would be a good source of power and runs and ribbies. He's going to hit third in whatever lineup he's in pretty much. Doesn't even doesn't even matter. So he's going to have counting numbers, be in the lineup every day, hit for pretty good power. Maybe not quite what he does now, but it's going to be close. But I think the batting average could drop off a good amount, actually. Just, yes. I mean, mainly just because if you look at it over his career, and we're talking about like over 4,000 plate appearances, it's not a small sample anymore with this guy, you know? I mean, he's, like I said, 265 career hitter on the road. I would think he would hit a little bit better than that, but not 310, 315 that we're no. seem to get, you know, half the time. So, yeah, and I'm with you on that. I'm pretty much step in step with you there. Again, um, I, think it, I think it mostly just comes down to how strongly do you feel he's going to move? Yeah. Be moved. Because if you're not sure or you, you know, I mean, it's, it is, a, it's a difference, but like I said, I don't like to just assume it. I mean, I feel like it could go either way. I don't really know. Right now, let's say you've got an NFBC draft happening tomorrow and you've just got the information we have so far right now. Arenado seems to want out. We don't know if he's going to get moved or not. Are you still taking him with your first pick? And would you be willing to take him in the first round? Let's say you picked 12 to 15. I'd probably take him around the wheel. I don't know if I'd take him first or second. It would depend on if I wanted the pitcher first, kind of like we talked about before, Mm -hmm. if I was taking a pitcher. I might take a pitcher and take him on the backswing. But, yeah, around that back area there, yeah. Yeah, that's a drop for him because he's like you said, going in that fourth pick of the second round. That doesn't happen with the rumor without the rumors. Yeah, there's still floor. I mean, it's not gonna. It's not like it's gonna kill you if he, if you take him there and he re- plays this year in an, another city and he's like a third or fourth round value. It's not. That's not gonna like lose you your league or anything. So, yeah, Manny Machado, I feel like is his floor. Like going going to yeah. somewhere and maybe the home runs dip more than we expect and they're in the mid thirties like Machado is a lot of years and two sixty batting average and ninety runs and RBI, something like that. I think yeah. that's a floor you could expect and yeah. That's not gonna lose a league, but you also don't want you would kinda have a gross feeling a little bit if you took him in the with that first pick. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well we'll move on to number three. Uh, Jose Ramirez, third baseman for Cleveland at 18 overall. And we've gone in great detail on Ramirez the last few months of the, about the roller coaster that he's been on in the last two years. And I know we talked about early steamer projections as we uh, re- reactions a couple months ago. And as we said then, Steamer aggressively has him projected for 31 home runs. And 23 steals with a 277 batting average. So that's 54 runs plus or home runs plus steals there. So my first question for you is an over under here. 50 home runs plus steals. You taking the over or you taking the under on that? Under. Yeah. I think I am too. I don't I don't uh I've said it with this guy. I'm going to keep saying it till I'm right. It might be this year. 
It might be three years, but it will be right eventually. I just don't want to be the one holding the hot potato when the steals drop. Mm-hmm. And I think I think with this guy, they could drop at any point. He still has good sprint speed scores. He's 72nd percentile sprint speed. I looked that up because I was, you know, just trying to figure out with the steals. But, um, yeah, I think there's just enough question for me with that. And a few other things. He doesn't he doesn't hit the ball real hard. I mean it's it's fine, but it's not great. At least it wasn't last year. His hard hit percentage was actually below league average. Walk rate dipped from over fifteen percent to under ten percent. WRC plus dipped a lot. One forty six to one oh four. There's just a few things with this guy that make me feel uncomfortable enough that I'll just let somebody else take him here. I'm not getting Jose Ramirez probably in any leagues, but if he goes 30-20, will I be surprised? Not really. I mean, he is a good player. He's a good hitter. Um, I just have enough questions, mostly with the steals, that I'm just not taking him here. So, You know, as I listen to more podcasts and I'm hearing more people's voices over the last few years, something I hear people say a lot is, I'm not saying I hate the player and I'm not saying they can't do these stats. I'm just saying there's enough risk that I don't feel comfortable taking that chance, knowing that there's also a floor here that I could I can easily see. And with Ramirez, we've seen so much up and down roller coaster with him that it's easy to see the upside but it's also really scary if you see what's been going on with him and think that that what if you get the first half of what he did last year and yeah he wasn't it wasn't the worst thing because he was at least chipping in a bunch of steals but it was bad anybody who had him hated hated that guy in the first half and it just left a poor taste in their mouth and yeah they got a great five six week run there after right around the beginning of july but then they lost him to with an injury right after that to where it was it just wasn't a good year for him after a very rough second half of 2018 and he had a he had a 68 wrc plus in the first half so he was 32 percent 32% 32% worse than league a- below league average. His second, half the pre- his second half from the previous season was actually fine. It was 110, so a little bit above league average, but nowhere near what his first half was. Yeah, he's just been up and down enough. and uh, Like, it won't surprise me, though, if he is a top 10 player. I mean, it, it won't. Oh. I know he's capable of it. But, yeah, there's just enough for me that, and there's so many studs in this range. I just, there's other guys I like. So, so Rick Elmers, he asked a question on the Facebook group and he was just asking if Jose Ramirez would be a top three third baseman to you. And, you know, I think we clearly still would have, both of us would have Arenado and Bregman above him, correct? Yeah. But if you're drafting, is he your number three? When you look at the guys below him here, I put it this way: I think he's right with these next couple. Um, 
it's tough. Yeah, it, it's close. Yeah, I mean, I he just, has more. He has more stolen base potential, obviously, than either one of the next two. Yep. So yeah, it's close. He may be the he may be the third guy, but it's probably just one of those things where if I'm in the spot, you know, on the end where like you kind of have to take Ramirez if you're on the near the wheel because he obviously isn't going to come back. Uh, I'm probably not taking one of the guys below him, like ahead of him. I'll just say it. It's Rendon and Devers. We're going to get right to them, but mm-hmm. uh, probably not taking them there. I would probably take like a pitcher or, you know, whatever else, different bat or something. But um, yeah, if I was like in the middle of the third round or the second round and they were both there, or all three there. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure what I would do, but I might take Ramirez at that point. I guess I just feel like Ramirez is going to go higher than higher than that. So you think he's going to go higher than 18 overall, or eight, like down there with Rendon and Devers at 21, 22? Higher than higher than uh, Rendon and Devers. Yeah, and you know, in some drafts, obviously higher than 18 if that's his ADP. So. You know. I'll get actually I'll circle back to that, but after we finish these next two, we'll just move on to Rendon here at 21. And he's jumped up from 42 overall in 2019 to 21 overall this last year. So my first question to you, Andrew, what's changed to make him worth that kind of jump in ADP? And is the jump justified? Well, I mean, look at his season last year. <laughs> that's what that's what it is. I mean, he had career year. Yeah. And he's an awesome and he's an awesome hitter. So kinda add those two up and get the big contract and ADP goes up. So I'm not really surprised. But is it justified? Do you think he should be going like do you think he should be going as a top twenty five player this year? Yeah, I think it's the right spot. I don't think it's bad or anything. I wouldn't say it's bad. I also just I don't feel comfortable buying him coming off the career year. I think that's where I, what I, where I'm at. And we got a juice ball, so stats across the board were up. Runs are up. More people are having career years with runs and RBI, and I get all that. So maybe that makes it a little more sustainable if we still have the same ball, which we don't even know about. But I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with him up here. I, I don't think I'll have Rendon on any of my teams coming off of this career year. And I'm not going to sit here and say that if you take him, it's a bad pick. I just, I don't personally feel great about it. But I also remember looking at the ADP of the second round and not liking a lot of the players. So this really isn't anything new for me for a lot of guys going around this spot. But he had an awesome year, and he's an awesome hitter. He's a guy who this last year walked and struck out just about the same amount of time. And, you know, you're getting 240 runs plus RBI with 34 home runs and yeah, an awesome year. But what about going from the Nats to the Angels and go, switching leagues? Do you think this is a equal, like pretty much even ch- change of scenery for him? Is that affecting at all? You Your thoughts on him at all? No. No, I think it's... I think it's a neutral move. I think that the, without looking, and I don't know this offhand, but 
I would think that the Nats Park is a little bit more hitter friendly for righties, yeah. but but not even much. even whether or not that's the case, I think you could make the argument that this lineup is even more friendly than the Nats. So yeah, I can get behind that. It's it's hard to say. I mean, the Nats was really good too. So I just think it's a neutral move. I mean. He's going to be hitting behind Mike Trout. <laughs> yes. So it's hard to it's hard to be too upset with that. Um, as far as like you know going twenty one, I get what you're saying. It's like buying him off the the great year, but it's also like you're not paying full amount. I mean, he was a top Fangraphs dollars earned. He was seventh. Yeah. And he was an MVP candidate. And you're getting him in the second round. So, I mean, he performed like a first rounder. Yeah. So yes, he did. It's it's some of it's baked. There's a little bit of regression baked in there, but but yeah, he's just I I really do. Anthony Rendon to me is just like he's just such a good hitter. Like you he are is. not you are just not gonna lose on this pick. Like, you're just not going to lose on this pick. The only way you're going to lose on this pick is if he gets hurt. Yeah. That's it. It's the only way. I used to work too good of a hitter. And there's so, there is something to be said with these high picks for just taking the floor guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he is automatic to hit. Automatic. Yep. I can't argue that. You make a good argument there. And we'll move on next to number five, the guy going one pick later, Rafael Devers at 22 overall. This guy was a huge riser compared to drafts a year ago after struggling hard. And I think he was even sitting in a lot of the Red Sox October games in 2018 during that championship run. He exploded last year, 311 batting average, 32 home runs, 129 runs and 115 RBI. So let me ask you this. How real was this with Devers? Uh, pretty real. Yeah, he's a stud. A lot of pedigree as a prospect. Hits everything hard. High batting average floor. He's actually one of five players in baseball projected by Steamer to hit 300 this year. Really? So that, yeah, that that's really good for a guy that's 23. You know, that's... That's impressive stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, going in the same spot as Rendon, I mean, I, I still don't think that the floor is what Rendon's is. Agreed. But I mean, Devers is fine. I'm not gonna not gonna rip him at all. I mean, he's he's in a great lineup. He can hit. He hits the power. He even chipped in eight steals, which is pretty <laughs> shocking. I'll Over under under five steals next I'll, year. Yeah, I'll take the under on the on all that. Take the under on five, too. Yeah, yeah, I think I would also after getting eight, and then I think he's got caught like his last five or six in a row, something like that. Uh, true or false, Devers is a top 15 dynasty option right now in a startup dynasty. Do you think he goes in the first round? Uh, I was actually looking at this today. I think for me, he's right around 15. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think anywhere. At like that 11 to 20 range, anywhere in there. 
just depending yep. on you know how bad you want him. I think probably in more than not, he goes in the top fifteen. Yeah, for me, I'm not positive if he's there quite, but it's it's right there. It's about right. Completely agree. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here and talk. Uh, we'll get back and we'll fin- we'll do the second half of the top ten here. Sounds good. Okay, we're back, and we're going to go from six through nine here as they're all lumped within three picks of each other, each other. And that would be at number six is Vlad Jr. at 56 overall. Also at 56 is Chris Bryant with the Cubs. Number eight is Eugenio Suarez at 59, and also at 59 is Manny Machado. So those are four interesting names here, Andrew. We're Going back, I mean, from Devers to these guys, we're two rounds later, two and a half rounds later. But how would you rank these four in redraft value? Well, you know who I'd have number one. <laughs> so. Eugenio Suarez. Who would you have of the rest? I, I would do, of these four, I would go Vlad one. Um, Suarez and Machado, I think, are like dead even. I don't even know. And then Bryant four. Okay. Huh. So you got Bryant behind Suarez. Yes. How strongly do you feel about that? Dollars earned? I'll do a bet, yeah. Here we go. Because I think I'd take Bryant. Actually, if the Cub wins... I'll lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I might have Bryant first on this list. I'm trying to think if I'd take him over Vlad or vice versa. And I don't know if I have an answer for that. But Bryant and Machado are real close for me also, though. I think I have Suarez fourth on this list. And we'll, we'll get into that a, moment. You're, a, you're absolutely underrating him. I might be. I just... Yeah. Man... I, I have a problem, like, I just do not like guys that strike out that much and don't walk. And I think that it's just a something that scares me because he, he walk. He walks plenty. 10%, right. right? I 7%, did you say? I think it was, yeah, 10.6% last year. 106 the year before, 13% the year before. You're right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I knew that was. No, I'm full of crap then. What was this? I, 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 get, I thought that was part Either of my Either way, fu- yeah. Well, we can do it. Dollars earned. That's fine. Uh, man, I already ready to take that back, but I already said it. So we'll just, <laughs> now that I see that walk rate, right, but I'll, I, I said it, I'll do it. Suarez. Well, walks, walks isn't a five-by-five five stat. So. Yeah, I know, but it's part of the reason why I thought there was more downside. You getting on base and... Yeah, I'm going to lose this bet. <laughs> you don't know, but... Bryant's ADP is higher, so... Yeah, we'll see. i got to remember to start writing these down. I've been forgetting to put them in the Facebook group, although all the bets from last week. So when we finish recording, I need to do that. So anyway, okay, so you got Vlad number one. Uh, you know, he disappointed last year. 
15 home runs, 272 average isn't what people were who took him early were hoping for. I'm going to give you some tough over-unders here for Vlad. I want you to give me over-under on this guy. Over-under 25 home runs. Over. Okay. What if I said 30? I think it's close. Okay. I think I think he can over it. Yeah. I, I but definitely I think, think he can. Yeah. yeah. He can over 40. <laughs> I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not saying I'm going to yeah. – I'm thinking he's going to do it, but I'm yeah, not gonna... I'll definitely take over 25. So Okay. Over under 290 batting average. I think what is steamer has 295. I actually thought that was a little aggressive, but I think I would. Yeah, I think it's right in that range. I'd probably say. Over, but I don't feel good about that one. I think I'd take the over on that one too. And by the way, I think the over, I'd take the over on the home runs also, uh, 25. I mean, he hit 272 last year, and that, I mean, I felt like there was a lot of bad luck. And could, I just, I think he's better than that. I mean, Steamer last year had him projected to lead the American League in batting average and still have him at 295. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. So, if you're doing that, I have a feeling you'll have the over under on 190 runs plus RBI. Am I right on that? That's actually the one I'd be most tempted to take the under. Um, ah, if you're taking over probably, 25 and 290, I think if he clears both of those, he's do, he's getting more probably, Yeah, probably. You're probably right. I, it's somewhere in there. It's lineup dependent, so it's hard to say. Yeah, but their lineup's going to be better this year. They got Boba shut now. And who and they got um, Edwin Encarnacion in there. I think that's a no, they, wait. No, they, no don't. they don't. No, they don't. They were talking about signing him. Who did they sign? Travis Shaw. Oh yeah, yeah. That's basically the same thing. Oh, that that just <laughs> that just makes them so much better. <laughs> yeah, it was left-handed E five. That's where I had it wrong. It was the the left-handed version. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so we'll try to get back on track here. True or false? In a startup dynasty, I'm still taking Vlad Vlad Jr. as a top five player. Me or you? Yes, you. Uh, Probably not. Probably like six to eight. Okay, so maybe he's... Maybe five. I mean, I definitely would take Acuna, Soto. Not in the, not in this order necessarily. Acuna, Soto, Trout, and Yelich ahead of them. Definitely those four. And then it's Lindor. And then I don't know what I would do. And Lindor. But yeah, he's in, he's in the mix for me there. Okay, Probably so he maybe a little lower. Yeah, he's dropped a couple spots for you, but not much there. You're still holding pretty strong, and yeah, I'm with first, you on it. I first half, just a few things here, Vlad. First half, two forty nine, three twenty eight, four thirteen. Second half, two ninety three, three forty nine, four fifty two. One hundred five WRC plus, above average hitter at age twenty. I mean, I get he disappointed, obviously. I mean, we all know it, but like. He's 20 years old. I mean, like, 
if we're a year from now, two years from now, you know, the further you get from the prospect side of it for him, if he continues to just be what he was last season, then I will start to get the anti-Vlad arguments. But I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm just not going to worry too much about an age 20 season in the majors. I looked it up. Since 2000, there's been 25 players. So that's over about 20 seasons. under or At age 20, with 200 plate appearances. And of the 25, his WRC plus was 15th. Hmm. Out of 25. Now, keep in mind, 20-year-olds, they're obviously all like superstars or potential superstars, potential future super. You know, nobody's coming up at 20 unless they're really good, obviously. So even in that context, he was mid-pack. And, yeah, it's just – it's betting on the hitter. I mean, like, is anybody going to be that surprised if he – just completely blows away all these projections this year. I mean, no, nope. I know, I know I'm a Vlad guy, but come on, like you can't be that shocked. If a year from now he does this same thing, then you adjust, but I still love him. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this second year goes and maybe I'll backpedal a little bit in a year if things haven't changed. You know, I see a lot of dynasty ranks from people. And it seems like a lot of people have faded him harder than you, and I am more with you on that. I think I'd have him somewhere in the five to six range. I think that's a pretty fair place to have him. I've I mentioned that I'm making some dynasty ranks myself, and I'd have to go look, and I don't remember right offhand where I have him, and I wouldn't say it yet anyways, but I don't think I have him too far off of that. But a lot of other people have him in the 10 to 15, maybe even 15 to 20 range. And I think I'm with you in terms of just holding holding strong that if you stick with this guy, you're going to be rewarded because he's going to be a stud in the near future. I, I believe it's going to happen. Yeah, it's like one of those things. I, I kind of mentioned it with Soto at some point late last year, and I feel this way with Vlad. It's just Soto's at a little bit different level right now because he's already done it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the argument for Vlad is, you know, not necessarily what his individual season peak is going to be. Because, like, like I said this with Soto, you know, somebody was saying, like, is he two overall in Dynasty or something? And everybody was like, no, I don't, I don't think he can get there because he doesn't run enough. Or so- It was something along those lines. But it's like... If a guy that young, or for a guy that young to be taken that high, I don't feel like they have to actually perform at that high. Because they, they can consider, like with Soto, I said, you know, it's not that I think he, and I wasn't saying he should go two, but I was saying it's not so much that I think he will be the second best player, but if he's a top 15 player every single season, for the next however many, or, you know, if you don't want to say top 15, say 20, 25, whatever. But if you're that consistently every single year, you're worth a pick that's higher than that. That's what, that's because the Mike of, Trout syndrome. Of, 
because of how many years you're going to do it. I mean, like some of these guys that are a little bit older, they're not going to do it for as many years. Mm-hmm. And I get that, you know, you don't want to look too far down the line either. It's like, you don't want to think six, seven years down the line. It just isn't worth it. It's too far away. But yeah, I just feel like with Vlad, it's going to be a point where, you know, he'll never probably be number one in a season unless he like wins a triple crown or something, which by the way, I still think is possible. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Cause he doesn't run. I mean, I get yep. that. So the individual season ceiling isn't quite as high, you could say. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he could be like, you know, if he's the 10th to 20th best player for 10, 10 years in a row, it's worth a high, high, high pick. So that's definitely the argument for these these young guys. And I'm just I'm not going to miss out and be the idiot that worries too much about five months in the major leagues at age 20 when he was an average hitter, a slightly above average hitter to begin with as a 20 year old. Yeah. I'm just, you're crazy to like, just act like, Oh, well that's the end of it. Vlad's just a bust. Like that's nuts. Mike Trout, this first little cup of coffee, which wasn't as long as Vlad's, but it was not impressive next year. Yeah. He's the MVP. He's the fantasy MVP. And running away as the number one pick pretty much for the next seven, eight years. Okay, well, here's good news. I remember our third base podcast last year, and I think we went 15 to 20 minutes on Vlad, and we went less time this year. So those of you who got sick of Vlad talk, you're welcome. We we shortened it. And, and if he's next year, if he does... This coming year, what he did last year, we'll probably talk less about him next year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Chris Bryant, he's been moving on to him. He's been pretty steady three of the last four years, and he rebounded pretty nicely this last year after nagging shoulder problems kind of knocked down his 2018 season. And like I said, I, I, I think, you know, going back to... I don't really feel comfortable with any of those top five third basemen with where they're at with their ADP. I'd mother, much rather have a Bryant or a Vlad or a Machado around this point than I'd rather have Rendon or Devers at 21 or 22 personally. I think this is the group that I'll find myself getting a lot of third base, a third baseman from this group if I'm taking one in the top 10. Yeah, I um, don't think I'll probably have Bryant on any teams. Um, just doesn't hit the ball hard enough. And his expected batting average last year was 246. Wow. I, I feel like with Bryant, everything is just go like slowly and incrementally going backwards. Not Maybe not everything, but a lot of it. Uh, his barrel percentage has dropped four straight years. His hard hit percentage has dropped five sh- every single year he's been in the league. Um, he still runs well. I feel like the steel, like he could randomly pop a eight to twelve steal season still. But and he's a fi- he's fine. I mean, he's a fine player. It's just I don't think there's anything that truly pops anymore. Like I agree I there. Think- I don't think that the batting average really pops or the home runs really pop. I like nothing. 
I mean, he should have a pretty damn good OBP because yes. he's going to walk and hit for a decent average. Um, but yeah, I, he's just he's just not quite what he was, you know, a few years ago. I feel like, and uh, my main thing with him and Suarez is just the home runs. I it's like I don't know. I I don't think Brian is going to touch Suarez in homers. Agreed. Personally. I do agree with that. I just I more throw in the hit tool, and I think the runs the runs and RBI. I think those will be pretty close to even. I think it's mostly batting average versus home runs, and yeah, I just that's fair. Feel more comfortable with Bryant and the batting average, and I I don't know the guys with with I just not a Suarez guy. That said, I thought he was walking five percent of the time, and he's actually walking twice that. Now concerning Suarez, I. Remember playing some over under games on him in early ANFBC reactions podcast a few months ago. I don't really have anything new to add. I've already realized I'm wrong about his walk rate. Do you have anything else you want to add on him? Uh, no, I, I think I did mention it in the previous podcast, but last six years, Suarez home runs 4, 13, 21, 26, 34, 49. It's ridiculous. Like, just up, up, up every year. Was a little more pull-happy last year. His pull percentage went from 39 to 50%. But, yeah, he hits the ball hard. He walks. I mean, I think he's a pretty good player. And I'll admit, I've underrated him as well. Like, previously. I mean, more so than now. But uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. He's been pretty good. So, I think he's fine here. I, I actually think I was looking at this when you sent me the, the list, but I was kind of struggling with him versus Machado. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I like I want to say Machado because I've always kind of I've always kind of been a Machado guy, but man, I think it's pretty close. It's closer than I thought it and was. You could, and you could definitely argue any of these guys. I mean you know, anybody even who says they want Vlad fourth on this list, I don't agree with them, but like, I understand it, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, there's a reason these guys are three picks apart. I mean, yeah. they're all, they're all really good players and yeah, I, you could shuffle them up however you want. I like this group though. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, this is where we're going to cut off the first half of the third base preview. Hope you enjoyed what you heard so far. I definitely enjoyed going over this with Andrew. And Andrew and I definitely did record another second half of this, going through the second half of the NFBC ranks. And I'm going to put that up in a couple days. But we'll cut it off here. We appreciate you all listening. And until we get back in a couple days where we bring out the second half. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us. 
baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 